0: Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 259. Humble, pray, seek, and turn. I can't help but say that title and, and want to kind of break out into the old song, turn, turn, turn. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's amazing the things that our brain holds in reserve some of which, well, there's no purpose in, but oh well. So, I just finished, like an hour and a half ago, a weekend women's conference that the total focus was on prayer. Now, if you haven't been able to tell, if you now, if this is your first, uh, first listen to one of the podcasts, well, welcome aboard. But for those of you who have listened more than two minutes, pretty much, to any of the episodes, you probably have figured out that I am very, 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 very much a proponent of prayer. I have talked about it repeatedly as topics and have also referred to it or prayed over those who are listening to the podcast on multiple others. That was one of the reasons I was so excited to go to a weekend devoted to prayer. And they did a great job. Uh, Each of the major speakers, there were four of them, they divided up the Lord's Prayer into segments. And they taught on that particular segment. And I don't know how much they talked amongst themselves as to what points they were going to cover within that segment, but it was as if it was rehearsed, even though I know that that probably wasn't the case. But, hey, the Holy Spirit can make it so that it appears that people have synced their devices, so to speak, when they've just synced themselves with God, and God has then synced the presentation. That has happened with my pastor and myself. I mean, rarely are we officially talking about the same subjects, and rarely are we in the same Bible book, but there have been times over the years where I have talked about something, and it may have not even been the main part of our lesson, and then we've walked into the sanctuary, and out of his mouth came pretty much the same thing. And I just, like, shake my head, because I think that sometimes my class probably thinks that I coordinate with him, but I definitely, that is not the case. As long as we sync our lives with the Lord, and if others are syncing their lives with the Lord, well, it's going to turn out that the messages are going to be synced together. For those of you who were on here last week and heard that I had to record twice I made sure that this time I was really recording. <laughs> I don't have the energy this week to record this twice. Plus, this one is a this one has a personal aspect to it. So, when I was a child, which you've heard me, if you've listened very long, you've heard me say that a few times. There are some things from my childhood, especially my childhood life within my home church family in Kentucky. And one of the many patterns, really hadn't thought about it in this way, but that's truly what it was. One of the many patterns that would happen is when I was growing up, we still had those revival meetings. Anybody heard about those? I don't think they happen a whole lot at this point, but when I was growing up, that was a big to-do. And I think usually we had one in the spring and one in the fall. And what you would have is you would have a guest evangelist or a guest preacher, sometimes a guest music leader, and they would come and they would lead your church family in a specific effort. It may have been very focused on reaching out to the community, the old pack pew days, or it may have been more focused on reviving the spiritual health of the church members so that they would reach out to the community. And as we were preparing many times for a revival preacher to come to town, my pastor, and you can hear that I say that word with love. Uh, I thank God for him. But he would lead us so many times in going over 2 Chronicles 7.14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And he may have preached, like he may have talked about the context of where that verse is found. But I promise it didn't sink in with me. <laughs> and so as I was preparing for this podcast and as we've been walking through Second Chronicles and we made it all the way to Second Chronicles 7, you and I get to put this very much, very memorized verse and such a great verse to pray for yourself and for others as well as to apply the principles mentioned. We get, to, we get to hear where this came from, when God spoke these words, who he spoke them to. And then how you and I can take that particular verse and apply it in our own life and what promises we can claim and what promises are truly not ours to claim. So we've been walking our way through Second Chronicles 7 as well as 1 Kings 9. So it's same stories. Sometimes a little, the verbiage is a little bit off and 714 is just I'm, I'm used to it in, in Chronicles. Uh, it doesn't come off exactly the same way in the uh, 1 Kings version. So refresh your course. The temple that Solomon had built was finished. And they had just been through this grand ceremony, this dedication ceremony, where you had Solomon leading in worship and leading the charge and praying over the temple and over the people and praying to the Lord, talking about thanking the Lord for this incredible opportunity, this incredible physical building where they could meet with him and they could bring the Ark of the Covenant in. And in Solomon's mind, just as it had been David, give it a proper home. But in the midst of that, I mentioned the week we were talking about that. It was very interesting that when you look at that prayer, if you had somebody who was praying probably in this day and time, and they were praying over a dedication ceremony, it would mainly be about thanking the Lord for his provision, exalting his name, and then probably praying over the activities that would happen in that place. But Solomon spent a long time pretty much saying to God, when your people mess up, will you forgive us? Now, he says it in multiple different ways, but that's pretty much what he's asking. And that sets the stage for God's response to Solomon so, here we go. We're in 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 22 This is from the NLT. You can read this from any translation. I memorized it way back in the day from the King James Version. And honestly, the NLT and the King James Version are very, very similar in the exact verbiage that they use in 14. So, here we go. So, Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Here's our verse. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Verse 15. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy. A place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. As for you... If you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your destiny. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, little g-gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I, have made, that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, Because his people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters on them. In other words, serve me faithfully and I will bless you. Turn the other way and it's not going to go well. And We totally understand that. And I am sure that at that moment, Solomon totally understood that. But there is no way that Solomon ever estimated how far he himself was going to tumble into idolatry with all of his wives. Big W wives, little W wives, those concubines that he had, and all the idols that came along with them. Never did he dream just how much of a mess he would make of his own life and sadly, what he would lead Israel to do. And as we get into the divided kingdom, which is coming down the road, you're going to see that many, many, many of the kings, they they were vile. They were absolutely vile. And even those who did well for seasons of time, so many times even they would fall into traps. Not as far down as Solomon fell usually, but still. This building, this temple, was set apart to be holy. As uh, one of the speakers was talking about the Lord's Prayer, she focused a lot on the holiness of God. And, uh, so each time I read the word here, I just paused. And I, I we sang the song Holy Forever, but we sang about the holiness of God in so many ways that it just kind of has me, has me in a space where I need to honor him even when I even say the word holy. And so verse 14, Then if my people, so who was this written to originally? It was written to the Israelites. Not a question about that. This is what so there are promises in scripture, and we've talked about this before. there are promises to individuals. There are promises to the Israelites. There are promises that are obvious that they are to multiple people or even a universal promise um, but, this was specifically to the Israelites. So how much of this as new covenant believers can we How much can we say if I do this God is going to So, you know, we're going to focus most of our time on the first part, the part that we can do, the what that's in our control, the humbling ourselves, pray, seek face Sake his face and turn from wicked ways. So he tells them he will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and restore their land. I believe, as a new covenant believer, that I can claim the first two parts of that promise. I do not believe that I can claim that he is going to restore our land. May I can I ask him to? As a citizen of the United States of America and with the U.S. in such an absolute mess, probably more than us just everyday people know about, I can ask him to do that. I can ask him to restore this country to one that fears the Lord our God. But I know, per other scriptures, that if my humble myself, pray and seek his face and turn from my wicked ways, I know he will hear from heaven. I know he will forgive my sin. And I'm going to run forward with that. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. It's just some of them just don't necessarily apply. Like if you look at some of the promises where God said he was going to whoop up on a particular bunch of ites. We could claim it, but like, how's that going to apply in our day time? You know, in this day and time. But... There have been many, many times over the years that I have walked in the back of the church sanctuary where I tend now and I have prayed this over the empty seats. I have prayed that God would humble each of us and that He would draw us to pray and that we would seek His face and that we would turn from our wicked ways And I claim that he, because I know I can, that he would then hear from heaven and would forgive our sin. Who is it you need to pray this over? Maybe yourself. You know, I have in the weekly assignment feature, I have the the four sections. You've got the first one. And even though I don't think these have to be thought of in order, I kind of like the first one being first because you don't really have a reason to pray or to seek His face if you haven't gotten yourself in a right posture. Prideful people don't feel like they need to pray because, well, they can fix it themselves. And they're not going to take the time to seek His face because they're so full of themselves. So, first of our four steps forward in your spiritual journey. Humble yourself. How do you do that? I mean, does that mean you walk around talking bad about yourself all day? Well, that's an absolute not. So it just dawned on me that in one of my sessions, there was a book mentioned about this very topic, and I'm just trying to remember what the name of it was. It's a very, very tiny book. There it is. And I haven't read it, but I'm going on the recommendation of somebody I very much like and respect. It's a very small book. It's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, The Path to True Christian Joy. And it talks about true humility. And humility is... Not, not thinking less about yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. So we have a tendency to think that those who struggle with pride are those who run off at the mouth and you know talk about how great they are. Well, yeah, that's a form of pride. But like so many struggle with pride, you can see it when they won't accept help from anybody. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Or, like, a lot of times we don't even know, because we don't know the inner workings of their heart and mind, you could have somebody struggling with pride severely, and only they and the Lord know it. And so, either grabbing this book, which is something I plan to do, or just just bowing down in front of the Lord and saying, I, I want you to show me who I am in comparison to who you are. And in that time, God will reveal himself and show you who you are. You are a child of the living God. But he is God getting ready to teach through the book of Isaiah, boy, that's going to be a fascinating adventure. And I've referred so many times to Isaiah 6, just in all the time. Because in that, Isaiah got a good look at who God was and a good look at who he was in comparison to God. And... He talked about that he was a man of unclean lips and he lived amongst the people of unclean lips. May each of us stop today and sit before the Lord and humble ourselves. And then second, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, That was obviously is very strong on my mind since I've heard multiple lessons on it in the last couple of days. But even if I hadn't just come out of a prayer conference, I still would be saying it with that same way. Do remember that prayer, though, is not just asking God for things. And I struggle with that. I, I'm not, not a big one to ask God for things for me. That's not, that's not my struggle in any way, shape, or form. But asking God for things for others. And I mean, they may be scriptural things like praying God's word for them. But I need to remember to start with praising thanksgiving. Start my prayer time with thanking him for what he's done and praising him for who he is. That's the begin that should be the beginning of your prayer time. And then confession. Confession being confessing who he is. Like you are Lord and I am not but also confessing any sin that God is convicting you of. Or just praying, you know my favorite two verses, if you've listened at all. The two verses that I pray so often over this group and over myself and over all the people in attendance today. Pray that God would search you and know your heart. That he would test you and know your anxious thoughts. That he would point out any offensive way in you and lead you in the way of everlasting life. That's Psalm 139, 23 through 24 if you don't know it. God will convict you and he will show you what you need to work through. Number three, seek his face. Not seek social media Not seek a distraction. Not seek temptation. Seek His face. Spend time with Him. Adore Him. Get to know Him. Just sit with Him. And if you humble yourself and you pray and you seek His face, I would think that most of us are going to get the hint that we need to turn from our sin-filled ways. Wicked ways, whichever, however you want to look at it, it's the same thing. It's the sin that we either are walking in on a daily basis, or the sin that so easily trips us up. When God convicts you, it's time to turn because if you want him to hear you and he, you want to be forgiven and restored in your relationship to him so that that might be that might be a way that we can claim the rest of we we can't claim that God is going to restore our land no matter how many times we pray this and pray this on behalf of America we can't we can't be guaranteed that he's going to restore our land we can pray and ask God to do that and to restore our politicians and restore, you know, just a sense of who he is. But we can claim that he's going to restore our relationship to him. Like, we are his child and that is not going to change. But that day-to-day, I have I feel a closeness to him and I want to spend time with him. That's not going to hang there if you are walking around as a prideful peacock and you know you have sin in your life, unconfessed sin. So today, humble yourself. Ask the Lord to help you. Help you to find that place where you rightly see God for who he is. And rightly see yourself in comparison. Not downgrade yourself, but see yourself as a child of the living God, but a reminder that He is God. And then pray. Pray. Praise Him for who He is. Go to the book of Psalms. One of my, one of the sessions that I went to was praying God's Word and was just reminded to just go in there and praise Him. Flip through the Psalms. Some of them are specific about praise. Some of them are specific about thanksgiving. Then thank Him for specific things in your life. Thank Him for the breath that you have. Thank you that you got up today. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Even thank Him for the challenges. And then seek His face be intentional about regularly seeking his face and then turn from your sinful ways know that the you you are guaranteed that he will hear from heaven and will forgive your sins and he will restore that fellowship that fellowship that that connectedness that you have and can have with him if you are walking as the spirit leads. So if you have any questions, reach out, encouraging others and loving Jesus at gmail.com. We'll continue with our Adventures with Solomon. It's about to get about to get a little different uh, for a lesson or two. And uh, well, sadly, I know that we've got some challenging parts coming up. Uh, so Reach out on social media. There's information down at the very bottom. We've got the QR code to get to all 259 episodes. I would very, very much appreciate it if you would share this podcast, if you would go in and rate it. I'm not going to tell you to give me a five. Like, I'm not going to do that. I know that you will hear that from some people, and I totally understand it because it helps to get the message out to others. But... I do encourage you to just take a moment and go in on your favorite podcast platform and just give a an honest rating of how you think this podcast is. And if you are willing to leave a comment, that would be great. So as we continue our journey in the life of Solomon and we continue our personal relationship with Christ, humble yourself. Pray, seek his face, and turn from your sinful ways. Then know that he will hear from heaven and will forgive your sin. And he will restore the fellowship that you so need to be able to live, live the life that Christ died to give you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.